Blog Talk Radio. Hello, boxing fans. Welcome to another episode of World Championship Boxing. And today we're going to do a tribute to the late, great, marvelous Marvin Hagler. And I'm joined once again by one Silva. How you doing, man? Hey, good evening, Logan. Good evening, fight fans. As we talk about one of the five to ten greatest fighters I've seen in the last 45 years of my boxing fandom. I started watching boxing in March of 1977, and this is my 45th year. Matter of fact, yes, we're in March of 2021, so we begin my 45th year of watching boxing as a fan, and Hagler is one of the five to ten greatest fighters of that time period, Um, the greatest middleweight I've ever seen in those 45 years, and it's not even close. Um, He fought everybody. And we'll go into complete detail from the very beginning of, of, of his career to the end of his career. And I will chronicle what was in a, a sensational career from one of the, one of the t- two greatest southpaws that ever lived and one of the five to ten greatest fighters I've ever seen. Yeah, and as far as exciting fighters, he's up there too, right? Oh, with, with, without a doubt. Without a doubt. He was... And we mentioned this, and I posted the podcast we did of him, his greatest performances uh, seven and a half years ago. And you could uh, you could go to the archives and just type in greatest performances of Mar- Marvin Hagler. And Logan brought up something that my father said. And 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 man, when when I when he when Marvin died Saturday night, I remembered what you said. Because it was the same thing my father said. And what both you said, you and my father, my father said this back in 1978-79. And you said it when we did the podcast seven, seven and a half years ago. If you go into a dictionary and there was a, a picture dictionary and there was a picture of what a boxer should look like under, under the word boxer, <laughs> Marvin Hagler would be that picture. He looked like what a boxer should look like. I mean, yeah. and the man never lifted a weight in his life. He was built like a brick shit house. The man wow. was a brick house. The way he was built, and he, and all of that, uh, Logan was from push-ups, from getting, from hitting the heavy bag, from um, pull-ups, from road work. The man was perfect. He had muscular calves. He had a hard rock physique. I mean, he was sculptured. And this was without lifting weights. Today they lift weights. Back then, boxers were told not to lift weights. And I agree with that. I don't think boxers should lift weights. I believe what the old school trainers used to believe is that lifting weights hurts uh, your stamina and it stiffens your muscles up. You know, Mar- marvelous Marvin Hagler was built like what a boxer should be built like. And I remember the first time I saw him on television, that's what my father said. And ironically, when Logan and I did the podcast, Logan looked at his same thing. Man, he, he looks like what a boxer, like like what the, the dictionary says a boxer should look like. He was, per, even with the shaved head and the mustache, he was a menacing-looking figure. And um, uh, you you could say... That Clubber Lang might have been uh, taken uh, was a heavyweight version of Marvin Hagler in the way 
They had Mr. T, and I think in real life, Mr. T shorter than Marvin Hagler. I don't think Mr. <laughs> T's 5'10". But, uh, yeah. um, you, you, if you look at Hagler, that might be what Sylvester Stallone and the rest of the uh, casting uh, directors probably looked at as the prototype for a Clubber Lang. If you look at Clubber Lang yeah. and the way he he looked like uh, Marvin Hagler with, with a 60 pounds extra on him. But um, Hagler yeah. fought his entire career at middleweight, and he was a sensational boxer puncher. He fought according to your style. If you were a runner, he came after you. He'd cut the ring off. He'd go to the body. He'd break you down. If you were a brawler, he'd box you from the outside and use that cannon. And I'm going to repeat the same thing I said seven seven and a half years ago. He had a motherfucking cannon for a right jab. That right jab, when he was boxing from the outside or when he was coming out, because everything was off that right jab. Oh, man, he would brutalize his opponents with that right jab. And the reason why that right hand hurt so much, Logan, was because he was a converted softball. He convert. He he's a he's a natural right hander. He's not a soft. He's not a lefty. He's a natural right hander. But because he converted himself to a softball, his lead hand was his power hand, which made that right jab like a cannon, and made his right hook one of the most, if not the most lethal right hook in the in the history of softballs. He was special, and. Real quick now, getting to the beginning of his career. Marvelous Marvin Hagler was born in Newark, New Jersey, and around the time of the riots, now, Hagler lied about his age. Uh, Hagler added two years to his uh, age to turn pro. Um, Hagler was actually born in 1950. Fifty-six or fifty-five. I'm trying to remember. He was thirty-two, and all right, he was born in nineteen fifty-five, but he told everybody he was born in nineteen fifty-three. He turned pro five days short of his eighteenth birthday in nineteen seventy-three. He told people he was eighteen already. He was not. Okay. Uh. Uh. Actually, he was he was six. He was born in fifty. He was born in fifty four. He was born in nineteen fifty four. Okay, the beginning of his career as an amateur. Before I continue, fifty six amateur fights, Logan. He lost one time in fifty six amateur fights, and in, instead of waiting for the nineteen seventy six Olympics, he came from a you know like most fighters, came from an impoverished family and turned pro in order to take care of his mother and his family. And um, by that point in time, Logan, he had moved to Brockton, Massachusetts from Newark, New Jersey. As a teenager, his family moved him out of Newark, New Jersey after the 1968 uh, Newark riots after the assassination of Martin Luther King. His family moved to Brockton, Massachusetts from Newark, New Jersey. And uh, yeah, at the time, he was almost four, he was going on his 14th birthday. Uh, because Martin got murdered in April, and they moved right before his 14th birthday to Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh, a year later, when he was 15, he had a similar story like Muhammad Ali. Everybody knows 
the, the, the tale of Muhammad Ali got his bike stolen when he was 12 years old, and he went to the police precinct, and he said uh, he wants to find the kid so he can kick his ass. And a police officer there by the name of Joe Martin was like, oh, how are you going to kick the guy's ass if you don't know how to fight? And that's when Ali began to learn how to fight. Joe Martin, his first trainer, was a police officer. Well, Hagler wanted to fight the kid, and the kid, this kid was picking on him, and Hagler got his ass kicked. And so what did Marvin do? Marvin went to the local boxing gym in Brockton, Massachusetts. The Petronelli brothers were there. His, his first and only trainers were the Petronelli brothers. That, that, that's, that's amazing how he kept the same trainers for his entire career from um, 1969, 1970 to 1987 when he was retired. He had the same trainers. They trained him, and eventually he kicked that kid's ass. Right? So he got his revenge, was a great amateur, 55-1, and one, and then turned pro. And immediately he was put into the – he was put into the fire in his 15th, 15th pro fight against the undefeated gold Olympic gold medalist Sugar Ray Seals. Sugar Ray Seals was being pushed hard. He was the lone gold medalist of the 1972 Munich Olympic Games. I mean, yeah, Munich Germany Olympic Games. And Sugar Ray Seals was um, being pushed as that next great middleweight. Well, Hagler convincingly beat him via 10th round, 10 round decision, and a star was born. All of a sudden, people are talking about Marvin Hagler. In the rematch with Sugar Ray Seals a few fights later, they robbed Hagler. It would be the first of many times Hagler would get robbed. <laughs> they scored it a draw. And so Marvin had to go back to square one. Well, Hagler went back from Boston and Philly throughout the mid to, to late 70s, and he would fight all the up-and-coming prospects and contenders and former contenders as working his way up. He lost to Willie Monroe and Bobby Boogaloo Watts. The Watts decision, I thought Hagler won that fight. Willie Monroe was the only fighter that, in my opinion, decisively beat Marvin Hagler. Well, what did he do? He beat Willie Monroe twice, knocked him out two times in a row, to uh, exact revenge against the worm, Willie the Worm Monroe. He beat Benny Briscoe, legendary uh, Philadelphia middleweight, who three times fought for the middleweight championship of the world. Hagler beat him. Hagler beat the Brett Kevin Finnegan. He beat Doug Demings. He beat, uh, in November of 1977, he knocked out the number one middleweight tender in the world, Mike Colbert, who was undefeated in 22 fights. This was the beginning of the middleweight champions dodging and ducking Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, at the age of 23, knocks out the number one middleweight contender of the world, and the middleweight champion of the world at that time was Rodrigo Valdez. So Rodrigo Valdez and Hugo Coro uh, went, uh, traded the world middleweight title because Carlos Monzon had retired in the summer of 77, so you never got that chance for Monzon to defend against Hagler. When Hagler became a top five contender, Monzon had already retired. Well, what did uh, Rodrigo Valdez and Hugo Coro do? They ducked Hagler. They fought each other twice. Valdez won the first fight. Coro won the second fight. 
And then Coro, instead of fighting Marvin Hagler, fought Vito Anafermo and lost the title to Vito Anafermo. Credit to Vito Anafermo. Anafermo finally, on November 30th, 1979, the night that Sugar Ray Leonard beat Wilfredo Benitez to win the WBC welterweight championship and begin era of the Sugar Ray Leonard era, Hagler fought Vito Anafermo and was robbed. 15-round split draw, Anafermo retains the title, another fight in which Hagler was robbed. Hagler was damn near crying after the fight was over. So Hagler had to go back to square one. Anafermo didn't give Hagler an immediate rematch. He should have. He should have been mandated to give Hagler an immediate rematch. No. Anafermo knew the score. He knew he, he couldn't beat Hagler. So he went and fought Alan Minter, and him and Minter fought twice. Minter won both times. And finally, on September 27th, 1980, Hagler gets that second chance at the world title in, in a sold-out Wembley Arena. Alan Minter defends the undisputed middleweight championship of the world against Marvin Hagler. A few weeks before the fight, Logan, they asked Alan Minter what he thought of his chances against Marvin Hagler. Uh, what Minter said, he says he can never see himself losing to a black man. Whoa. Hagler's retort, I will make him pay for that comment when we step in the ring. That night, Hagler butchered Alan Mentor like he was a butcher chopping up pork chops. He bloodied Mentor's nose. He busted open both hands. Check the fight on YouTube. It was a it was a one-sided beating. Hagler landed combination after camp. Now, Mentor was a softball like Hagler. Mentor was a cutie. He was, you know, he, he moved a lot, gave you a lot of movement. He stayed outside, everything behind that right jab. That shit wasn't working against Hagler. Hagler was giving him angles, was bobbing and weaving, and was landing combination after combination off his motherfucking cannon of a right jab. Rounds two and three, he slaughtered Mentor. Midway through the third round, the referee Carlos Betacal saw the blood. I mean, he was bleeding badly. Stopped the fight. How did the racist Wembley Arena uh, London, England fans react? They started throwing beer bottles into the ring. And the Petronelli brothers with the rest of the uh, cornermen made a circle and protected Hagler, and miraculously, Marvin Hagler was not hit with any of those bottles. Those bottles bounced off his cornermen's backs as they, along with the London Bobbies, escorted Hagler out the ring while the British, while these racist British fans were rioting, and Howard Cosell had to hide underneath the table. This is a disgrace. I can't believe it. Marvelous, Marvin Hagler just butchered Alan Mitz. Can we get Hagler over here? Hagler, Marvin. Oh, they're not bringing him over here. Oh, he actually thought he could get an interview with Hagler yeah. while all under the table. Was going. Yeah, <laughs> Marvin, we'll have to go back to New York. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Man, it's, it's shit like that. Like. 
that's like real life shit that wrestling used to do, you know. Like it's, that was some real stuff, though. That's uh, well, well, it, it, what they, they look. I mean, the fans went irate, and the thing is, and that pissed me off. My father and I were watching the fight on TV, and we were pissed off because this should have been a celebration in the ring for the next great middleweight champion. Because when that fight was over, my father's like, "Ain't nobody beating this motherfucker." This dude's the real deal. Nobody's beating this guy. Nobody. And you look, and he went, and he beat one fighter after another. He didn't have a tough defense until November of 1983 when he defended his undisputed middleweight championship. It was either the seventh or eighth defense. Uh, Excuse me, fans. I'm doing all this off the top of my head. I'm not looking at a computer screen. I'm not looking at a phone. All of this is off the top of my head. You're getting this. I'm like Logan would do. I'm spitting freestyle here, all right? (laughs) No prep on this. You guys could look it up, but it was either his seventh or eighth defense of his World Middleweight Championship in November of 1983 when he defended against Roberto Duran, and Duran gave Pagliuk problems in that fight. It was that was a great shockingly. fight. Going into the fifteenth and final round, Logan, two judges had it dead even. So this yeah. was a fight in which the winner of the fifteenth round. Now, my recollection, I gave Hagler nine or ten rounds. There was a few close rounds, but I didn't think it was that close. But Duran, because he's Duran, a fighter like a Duran. Like an Ali, like the Sugar Ray Leonard, they got two or three rounds in their pocket before the bell rings. <laughs> That's true. So, but he fought. He fought a, a really good. I thought it was one of his greatest. Well, he because he this was a scientific matchup. Hagler and Duran were trying to outbox each other. These were right. two masters fighting an incredible uh, style, an incredible scientific battle. One guy well, trying two, to outbox the other. Two master boxer punchers. Right? Yeah, two two of the greatest boxer punchers of all time. Duran, the greatest Latin fighter of all time. The greatest lightweight fighter of all time. Former welterweight. And at that point in time, he was a WBA junior middleweight champion. And, and, and Marvin Hagler. And Hagler gave Duran the respect that he deserved. But in the 15th and final round, Hagler didn't want to leave anything to choice. And it was a good thing he didn't. Because if he would if if he would have gave away that fifteenth round, he would have lost by split decision. He went after Duran and staggered Duran before the fight ended, and it was the first time Duran was really hurting the fight. Hagler put on a show in the fifteenth round to win a very close, closer than what should have been decision, because two judges had it by one point, which was that fifteenth round. After he beat uh, Duran, he chopped up. Uh, Mustafa Hampshire for a second time. And after Thomas Hearns decapitated Roberto Duran in June of 1984, the fight was signed. I believe the date was April 15th, 1985. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going off the top of my head here. April 15th, 1985, I believe that was the date. The fight was called The War. And it was the first round was the greatest round in boxing history. Uh, this was the only way Hagler was going to win this fight. Marvin Hagler's three inches shorter than Thomas Hearns. Uh, leave it up to Hearns, and Hearns would box from the outside and dominate with the jab. 
Hagler knew he couldn't outbox Hearns, he had to take a chance and get Thomas Hearns in a firefight, which was also a huge, huge, huge uh, chance that he was taking because Thomas Hearns has one of the greatest right hands in boxing history. And within 30 seconds of the opening bell, Hearns hit Hagler with what he called the hardest right hand he ever hit anybody with and momentarily stunned Hagler. But Hagler recuperated right away. Marvin Hagler had one of the greatest chins in boxing history. His chin was as granite as his physique. Right? And he was hurt for a brief second and recovered right away. And Hearns and Hagler hit each other with grenades, missiles, uh, hammers for the entire three rounds. I gave Hearns the round because he briefly stunned Hagler, but Hearns had nothing left after that. Um, round two, Hearns was gassed. Hagler started going after him, dominating the second round, but Hearns had opened up a vicious cut above Hagler's eyes. And the referee told Hagler he was going to give him one more round and, and before he stopped the fight. So in the third round, Hagler, knowing that he's bleeding, knowing that the fight is on the line, went after Hearns, and Hearns was exhausted. Hearns tried to move, but his legs were shot, and Hagler landed a spectacular right hand to put away Hearns and knock him out in the third round in the fight that was called the war, the fight of the year, possibly the fight of the 1980s, and in my recent um, greatest fights of all time, in a series that I, I, I've written for fightgamemedia.com, I believe that was the fourth greatest fight of all time uh, I voted, uh, I, I selected in, in my articles, the fourth greatest fight of all time. And round one is definitely the greatest round of all time. Even though he beat Thomas Hearns, though, uh, Logan, that fight took a lot out of him. I think he was ever the same after that fight. In his next fight, March, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, ladies and gentlemen. I believe it was March 10th, 1986. Matter of fact, the, the damn. It was either March. He died. He died. He died on March 13th. And it was right after it was right after this the 25th anniversary of his fight. No, the 40th. Let me, let me do my math right. 14. The 35th anniversary of his fight with John the Beast Mugabe. And this was another incredible war. Mugabe hit Hagler. Mugabe had one of the great left hooks and right crosses. Of that era. He was a huge puncher. And he hit Hagler with some bombs. And Hagler walked through it. But Hagler took so much punishment that night. That the guy who was doing color commentary. Said wait a minute. I could take advantage. The guy doing color commentary that night. Was Sugar Ray Leonard. He was doing the color commentary for the close circuit showing. Of this fight. Hagler stops Mugabe in the 11th round. But now Hagler's been in two consecutive wars with Thomas Hearns and John, Mugabe, John the Beast Mugabe. Ha- uh, Leonard finally comes out of retirement, and we all expected at the time that Hagler would walk through Leonard because Leonard has had one fight in five years when he steps in yeah. the ring that night, April 6, 1987. And in a great fight, the 1987 fight of the year, uh, 
I thought Hagler won the fight by uh, seven rounds to five, but there were several close rounds. Could have gone either way. I never called this fight a robbery, even though a lot of people think think it was a robbery. Hagler loses by split decision and is so disgusted that he retires and never fights again. How did you um, How but, did you score? Let's talk about some of the rounds because they were very close. There were so score, many. How did no, you score ahead, the eighth, eighth round? The eighth round. I thought the eighth round was – was that the round of the year? Or – was you, the eighth, ninth, and tenth rounds, I believe I gave all three to Hagler. The eighth round was a cessation round because, I, if I'm not mistaken, that's the round where Hagler hurt Leonard, and then towards the end of the round, Leonard started throwing those combinations off of Hagler's head. Yeah. It, it, was, they, like they, a, it, it was like a 10-10 round. It was like an yeah, even yeah. round. I might have scored it that night when I was watching the fight on closed circuit in the New Orleans Superdome. I might have scored that round that night even, but on the rewatch, I gave it to Hagler. But, yeah. if, but originally, I scored it an even round. So, And I thought Hagler won the fifth round, right? That, uh, that's another round. That could have, they, they made Logan, there were so many close rounds. Even the 10th, 11th, and 12th rounds. Um, and by the way, one of the And Leonard won the 12th have, round. Um, I think I might have given Leonard the twelfth round. Yeah, I think I did give Leonard the twelfth round. You you might be right on that. But um, and I and I recently redid this on my other podcast. I do championship rounds podcast. Uh, uh listeners, if you want to hear my round by round score with with one of my two co-hosts, we did the entire fight. We scored each round and and we reviewed it and we gave our analysis. That's Championship Rounds Podcast. Do the search on Apple Pods. It's available on Spotify also. And you can hear my breakdown of it. Um, but how did early you give... Side... Go ahead. No, but you gave... It looks like you're saying you gave him seven rounds. The first four I rounds... Gave Hagler. Were... I gave... I know. Not all the first... the first. The first three rounds, Hagler fought from the orthodox position. Why, I don't right. understand. I gave him the fourth round because that's the round where he started... He started fighting back at softball, and he added, and he started applying pressure and landed on Leonard. He dominated okay. the fight from that point on. Okay, so when you, yeah, so if he had not uh, done that little mind he trick, he would have won my decision had he decided to fight his regular style. Right. I don't right, understand right. why he fought orthodox. It made no sense. He gave those first three rounds away. He did nothing. Logan, he right. did absolutely nothing in the first three rounds, and he fought orthodox. It didn't make any sense. To this day, I still don't understand it. He would have won on the other two. He had one scorecard he won. The other one he would have won. I don't know what the fuck the third judge uh, was, was was smoking. He gave Leonard 10 rounds. That guy should have. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I would have. I mean, I I gave Leonard the fourth round because I just didn't think Hagler still had it together by that point. But of course, after the fifth, I gave him almost every round except I gave uh, yeah. Leonard the twelfth round. Yeah, um, he dominated after the fourth round. He dominated that. He dominated the fight, but he gave what And we've mentioned this many a times on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Twelve round fights are not the same as fifteen round fights. You lose five or six rounds at the beginning of the fight. You need a knockout. You need yeah, a knockout. And, Le- and Leonard insisted that it be 12 rounds, not 15. 
Well, and it, it was going to be 12 rounds anyway for one reason. That's a misnomer. A lot of people say, oh, let it make sure it was 12 or not. It couldn't have been a 15-round fight because the WBA and the IBF refused to sanction the fight because they felt, and this is the first time, that money didn't talk. Because today, they'd all sanction this shit just for the sanctioning fees. But back then, they had a sense of, uh, I don't know, a sense of moral judgment. The WBA and the IBF refused to sanction the fight because they felt, and rightfully so, Sugar Ray Leonard hadn't fought in three years. He didn't deserve the shot at the title. The WBC gave the title shot because Jose Suleiman, like his son now, Mauricio, is a fucking criminal, and he was was looking at the sanctioning fees. So the WBA and the IBF stripped Hagler of the title because he went ahead and fought Leonard. So at that point in time, the WBC had outlawed the the 15-round fight. All WBC world title fights were 12 rounds. So it was going to be 12 regardless. Well, in, in any case, you're right. He gave away the, the first three for no reason, except he, he probably wanted to do some psychological shit on Leonard. But that just shows you that Leonard got into his head. Yeah, well, uh, Leonard, did get into, Leonard did get into his head. You're right about that because uh, Hagler fought too cautious. If Hagler fought the way he fought against Hearns, against Leonard, I think he knocks out Leonard. Um, I also think Hagler took his time because I think Hagler knew that he had lost a step and that he wanted to save his stamina. Because remember, at the end of the fight, Hagler was the stronger fighter. Hagler had more in his tank than Leonard, and rightfully so. Now, Leonard is 30 at the time. Hagler's 32, but Leonard hadn't fought in three years and one time in five. Well, Hagler's whole game, I mean, it looks like he just outworks you eventually. You know, he just wears you down. And he's he's stronger at the end of the fight than anybody. I've never seen anyone finish stronger than Hagler at the end man, of the fight. That man, like like I said, like we've said, like my father said, that man that man was the picture of the perfect fighter. Just look at him. That's how you draw up a fighter. That's how you should look. Right? He gets stronger in the fight. Though. He, that's what yes, yes. That's why that he would be as strong in the fifteenth round as he was in the first round. The man Stronger. had incredible stats. <laughs> and why? You know why, Logan? If he trained for three months, for four months, however amount of time he had to train, he told his wife, don't even look at me, and he locked himself in a prison, and he slept, ate, and trained inside of a prison with just him and the Petronelli brothers and their sparring partners. He didn't even look at his wife. So by the time the fight came up, he was ornery, and he had all that built-up cum in his system. <laughs> hey, that means something, man. You're right. Dude. They, on Rocky, they had Clever Lang sort of trained that way. He was like, I live alone. I train alone. They, they, uh, Marvin Hagler's wife, his widow, Kay Hagler, she needs to uh, approach Sylvester Stallone about some residuals, some royalties. <laughs> yeah. Because Clever Lang was based on uh, on um. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Absolutely. So this guy, he, well, so the story behind him not getting the rematch with Leonard was that first Leonard retired right after, didn't he? No, what happened was Leonard didn't retire right away. Leonard bullshitted. Uh, 
Uh, Hagler tried, uh, Bob Arum tried to get the rematch with, with Leonard, then Leonard retired. And then and finally, by June of 1988, Marvin Hagler said, man, fuck this. I'm done. I'm moving to Italy. Fuck Sugar Ray Leonard. And at the minute Marvin Hagler retired, Sugar Ray Leonard announced he was fighting Donnie Lalonde for, for a light heavyweight and super middleweight championship. Um, and then, um, Hagler, Hagler, Never even, never even coming back. That was it. He moved to Italy. He divorced his first wife. He met his second wife, an Italian woman named Kay. He did several Italian spaghetti westerns out there in Italy. Uh, made made a nice amount of money out there acting. Uh, every time you heard Hagler, he sounded more and more Italian. Italian. <laughs> uh, uh. It's 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 crazy. Him and Hearns hated each other before their first before their first and only fight, and because of the war they went through, they became very close and tight friends. And um, Hagler was brought into the United States to announce the Leonard Hearns rematch on June of I believe it was June twelfth, nineteen eighty nine. Once again, I'm doing this off the top of my head. Great fight, which Hearns I believe was robbed. He dropped Leonard twice. Throughout the fight, you could hear Hagler go, Come on, Tommy! Come on, Tommy! <laughs> <laughs> so he, he just, he was kind of like Frazier with uh, with Ali, with Leonard. It's like, never. He, he, come, come on. Oh, he hated, oh, yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 he. And Sugar Ray Leonard's so full of shit. The other day, when, after, when he learned of Marvin Hagler dying, they asked him about about Hagler. He said, "Oh, in our fight, it was the closest thing to death I ever experienced." Motherfucker, you wasn't close to dying. Stop that bullshit. Stop the hyperbole. Get the hell out of here. The closest thing to death. The closest thing to death was when you was on the operating table when you detached retina that Thomas Hearns gave you. That was the closest thing to death. Come on, stop the bull. The close. Did you ever see that fight where where where, where Leonard was 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 was, was about to? Be comatose. Nah, he was hurt a few times, but he ran his way out of it and tied him up. The closest thing to death. What the hell you? What are you, are you joking? Oh my god! Well, maybe maybe up, so up to that up to that point. I mean, because he it was one of his toughest fights for sure. Yeah, but he was the his first fight with Thomas Hearns, where Hearns closed up his eye, and then six months later he was hospitalized because of the effects of that fight. He he. He got a detached retina, and he yeah, had to go under the knife thing to death. Not a damn fight with uh Marvin Hagler. Close thing to death. Stop the bullshit. yeah, yeah. Where Hagler gave away the first three rounds, and because <laughs> because of that, he couldn't do his game plan, which you know wasn't a ten round game plan. It was more of like a twelve round game plan. So he ran out of time. Because you're right, he was. He was stronger at the end, and he would. If there was three more rounds, he would have won. If it was a fifteen round fight, because Leonard was gassed out, he uh, Hagler either stops him late or wins all three rounds to get the split decision. Um, but so, that fight uh, made Hagler, Hagler, dude. I mean, I feel like that fight made Hagler more than any other fight. Like, even it, it's just, it was such a huge fight. So you say that that's one of the cases where even though he lost, he won. Right. Well, you got you make a great point because he retired, he never came back, 
Since I started watching boxing, since 1977, him and Lennox Lewis might be the only two fighters who retired. And now you could mention Andre Ward in that category. They retired and they never came back, despite being offered millions. Hagler, Lennox Lewis, and Andre Ward have been offered millions. Calzaghe, too. Yeah, you know what? You could put Calzaghe up there, too. Yes, because Calzaghe was offered a ton of money to come out of retirement to fight Carl Froch and Andre Ward. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely put uh, Calzaghe on that list as well. So, uh, Hagler was a first ballot Hall of Famer. On the very first ballot in 1993, he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and rightfully so. And if you look at the fighters he fought, Hagler fought everybody, ducked nobody. He fought Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, and Roberto Duran. The three he never fought Duran Barkley. Well, well by the, because by the time he retired, after after Hagler uh, after Leonard beat Hagler, Iran fought for the WBA title and lost to Mike McCollum. But if Barkley would have fought uh, Hagler, Hagler would put Barkley in the hospital. Barkley had no shot against Marvin Hagler. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I was just because they, you. I would have liked to see that fight anyway because. Oh, I mean, Barkley, Barkley would have tried, and 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 Barkley would have gave it his all, and he would have walked into a right hook, and he would have. Fell face first to the canvas, and they would have carted his carcass off to, to the hospital. Yeah, I was wondering who was close to. Was anybody close to Barkley that he could have fought that was like big like that? That he fought at that. Oh, uh, Mike McCollum. That's one oh, fight McCollum. that never happened. McCollum would have given Hagler hell. That fight wouldn't have not have been easy for Hagler. McCollum had a chin just as great as Hagler. He was just as skillful. That would have been an incredible fight. That would have been an incredible fight, and that would have been one fight that I would have had doubts if Hagler would could have, could have beat McCollum. That would have been a tremendous fight. But um, so you have, have killed. Ter- Go ahead. You have Hagler beating Roy Jones, middleweight. Um, prime for prime, Jones might be able to move and win a decision because of Jones' speed. And you know Jones is going to tie up Hagler when Hagler gets inside. That that Jones athleticism was unparalleled. I'm not saying Hagler couldn't win because if Hagler lands that right hook, we saw years later that Jones couldn't take a punch. With Jones' speed, would Hagler have that opportunity? We'll never know. But I'm just saying that would be an intriguing match. You know what would have been an incredible fight? James Tony in his prime versus Marvin Hagler in his prime. Why? Because James Tony is the greatest inside defensive fighter to ever live. And to see him inside, because Tony's not going to move. He's going to be inside, blocking shots, shoulder roll, having shots bounce off his shoulder blades, going to Hagler's body. It would Landing that right cross counter that he throws so Oh, that would have been an incredible fight. Um, oh, and Hagler Tony, would just fuck him up with this. His strong jab, his right jab, dude. He would just fuck him up with that. I don't, That's I it. don't know if Hagler's moving against Tony though. Hagler might go. Well, if Hagler boxes, he could definitely beat Tony if he stayed outside. Hagler like to adjust to your style. So yeah, if Hagler boxes, he would. He just do what. He'd do what Roy Jones did. He's just not as quick as Roy though. That's the thing. If right. uh, Tony, if Tony's coming after 
Hagler, there's going to be exchanges. Um, with 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 Tony for Joe's, Joe stayed outside and Tony could not deal with that speed. Hagler yeah, doesn't, Hagler doesn't back up. He doesn't back right. up. He he would back up, but not at the not 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 with the quickness of a Roy Jones because Hagler boxed the the ears off of Anafermo the second time and one rolled rolled on and uh, Mustafa Hampshire he boxed from the outside and butchered those guys. Uh, he's not butchering James Tony, but I could see him winning a fifteen round decision if he stayed on the outside. Man, so yeah, it was great. It was just great watching him fight, man. I remember back in the eighties, just like his fights were just—they're every bit as big as. Uh, I mean, him Hagler, her, you know, Hagler versus. Um, I mean, uh, Hearns versus Leonard. All that, just those three the, people the generated kings, so much the money. The four kings and the greatest boxing book I ever read, Logan, were the Four Kings by George Kimball where it's basically a biography of all four men. You want to learn so much about these four men, that's the book to get. get. It's called The Four Kings by George Kimball that, chronic, that chronicles the rise of Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, and tailed look at each fight among all four because all four men fought each other. Thomas right, Hearns fought, Thomas Hearn fought Hagler once, Duran once, Leonard twice. Leonard fought Duran three times. Leonard uh, Hearns twice and Hagler once. They all fought each other. Yeah, and it was just a golden age. I mean, because I, I don't think we've ever had again. Well, maybe now actually we do uh, today. But like, have so many great fighters in a division in one division. Well, now you do the super flyweight division has yeah. five. <laughs> Bonafide Hall of Famers at the top of the of the division, but as great as those five guys are, these four guys are on that. All four, all four: Hagler, Duran, Hearns, and Leonard. You could make an argument that they're top ten all time. I can't say the same about none of the top five fly, super flyweights. They're not top ten all time, but you could make an argument that Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, and Duran are top 10 of all time. I've got Leonard and Duran in there and Hearns and Hagler just a little bit outside of my all-time top 10. Really? You have uh, them at, outside of that? I, yeah, because there's, so there's been so many so great many. fighters. Um, at, at one point in time, all four were the top 10, but you know, Floyd Mayweather had a sensational career. I had To, to me, he, he, uh, he jumps Hearns and Hagler. I mean, you go fifty and zero, and you fight everybody, and you don't lose rounds. I got it, and you're the greatest super featherweight of all, junior lightweight of all time. If you've beaten all these great fighters, gotta put them above Hearns and Hagler. Um, but I won't argue with people if they put Hearns and Hagler above Floyd. It's just tough. It's just tough. There's been so many great fighters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like with 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 greatest softballs of all time, I got Pernell Whitaker above Hagler. But I will not argue with people. If they put Hagler above Whitaker, but Whitaker was special. What the difference between Whitaker and Hagler was? Whitaker's one of the three greatest defensive fighters of all time. He, he, he just a flawless boxer when when he was boxing. While uh, Hagler, while he was knocking people out left and right, his defense wasn't the greatest in the world. As you can see in his fights against Leonard Mugabe and Hurts. Pound for pound, though. 
the greatest chin of all time, maybe, right? Hagler's chin is up there with Ali, Jake Lamada's. He's on. He's on that Mike level Tyson. because <laughs> because uh, well, Tyson's been knocked the fuck out several times. Hagler briefly a couple of times, but I and the only time he officially went down, it was a bullshit knockdown. It was a bad call. Well, never. I never saw Hagler out on his feet. Yeah, I mean, I never seen him wobbled. Um, he was briefly I, wobbled by both Mugabe and Thomas Hearns. Oh yeah, Thomas Hearns, that definitely that fucking jab. Um, he it was weird when with Thomas Hearns, he kind of mostly neutralized the jab by just charging him, keeping that's him. That's right. That that was the only way he could have won that fight. Um, he could have chosen the path that Leonard did and work Hearns' body. The thing is, Hearns is so much taller and quicker than than, than Hagler that. That jab would be in his face all day. And another thing, if he allowed Hearns to box the way Hearns wanted to and try and go to the body, what's the biggest weapon against a softball? That right hand. Right. Oh, to make right an hand. argument, Hearns is on the short list of greatest right hands in boxing history. He, he So all night long, he would be taking that. No, he said, fuck it. I'm going to bring it all out. See what happens, and it was the right game plan. Yep, and he started to do that against Sugar Ray, but late in the fight. So, yeah, it was go. too a little too. Uh, and I still thought he won the fight, but he gave away like like Logan said, he gave away too many rounds. That's why I cannot call this a robbery because he gave away the first quarter of the fight, and that was his biggest fight, I think. Financially, it was his biggest fight. His biggest win was his knockout of Thomas Hearns. But financially, okay, yeah. the biggest biggest was is a fight against a a, a a Lennon. I mean, and you never heard of Hagler. Hagler never returned, so he wasn't he he was frugal with his money, made good investments, and um lived like and he owed two homes. He owed the home in Italy, and he owed the home that he died in in New Hampshire. So he must have learned Italian, huh? He had to. He was acting out there. He was doing spaghetti westerns. You got to do Italian. <laughs> I got to see one of these movies that he did, man. We should uh, review I, one. I saw thirty. I saw thirty minutes of one, man. Uh, listen to this. If you have a hard time sleeping, put one of those Hagler movies on. You'll be snoring <laughs> within no time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But anyway. I mean, I'm glad we did this, man. We we hopefully there won't be another one soon, but we've been doing a lot of these. Man, we've shows. been doing a lot of these this year alone. Uh, fans, you go to the archives. We've done memorials for Hank Aaron, a special baseball one because he such magnitude his his importance was such of a magnitude that we had to uh, do a podcast on, on on his life and baseball career. Uh, Leon Spinks, the one the night he beat Muhammad Ali. And now the legend, one of the all-time greats, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Like Logan said, like my father said, like I've said, a picturesque boxer. The prototype for what a boxer should look like. What they need to do, Logan, is from whenever there's a symbol of a boxer on a world championship belt or on, on uh, a ring post, it should be a picture of Hagler with his physique and bald head and goatee, because that is the prototype 
for a boxer. That's how you should look. <laughs> Before you go, I want to ask you just a what if. Okay, so what if he beat? Um, he what if he beat uh, Sugar Ray? They surely they if would have would, a rematch. If he would have beat Sugar Ray Leonard, he would have given her as a rematch. And he also would have given Sugar Ray maybe a rematch because it would have. I don't been a think pretty- so. I don't think so. He would have given Sugar Ray a rematch. I, I think he would have been. He'd have been like, you know, because he didn't like him. He'd have been like, all right, go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like Duran either. It looked like. Um, ah no, he had much respect for Duran. No, he loved okay. Duran at hers. It was Leonard he couldn't stand because a he thought he lost, and b so many times let it goes back. November of 1982, Sugar Ray Leonard holds a press conference in New York in the Waldorf Astoria, I believe. Y'all can correct me. I'm doing this shit off the top of my head. November of 1982, Sugar Ray Leonard holds a press conference. And Sugar Ray Leonard, all the popping circumstance. Howard Cosell was the MC. Hello there again. <coughs> Sugar Ray Leonard, tonight, will he retire or will he announce his next fight? Sugar Ray Leonard told Howard Cosell that night he was going to either tire or announce who his next uh, who his next fight was going to be up, up against. In attendance was Aaron Pryor, Thomas Hearns, and Marvin Hagler. They were sitting there. Everybody was in tuxes and, and three-piece suits. Everybody was dressed to the gills. Sugar Ray, what will you do? Howard, and Sugar Ray let it in his monotone voice. He looked at Marvin Hagler. It would be the most incredible fight. Unfortunately, it will never happen. I'm retiring. I'm like, man, you couldn't have fucking written a press a press release. <laughs> <laughs> and Hagler was pissed because Hagler thought that he was going to get Sugar Ray Leonard next. Because Hagler, Hagler was like, okay, we got all these people. You got all these porters. You're going to do all this and then, you know, dick tease. It's like uh, it's like Neil Long is, is laying next to you, butt naked, and you're about to touch her. And she's like, oh, no, I, I changed my mind. <laughs> 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 Your shit so, is rock hard. And you're like, you, 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 you can't force yourself on it because it's raped now. And she's like, she's putting her clothes back on. You're like, but baby! I'm so so Hearns, yeah. in the rematch, would Hearns, would, he, would it have been different, you think? Hearns may have won that? Agler would have been slower, so I could have seen Hearns win by decision if he would have fought Hearns in the fall of 87. And who else in the in around that weight class would have been a challenge for him that he didn't get Mike, to fight? It would have been Mike McCollum and Thomas Hearns. Those would have been the two guys. And, and Michael Nutt. Those would have been the three at all time because Hagler had lost a step. So he got out at the right time, probably then. Yeah, I mean Hagler retired when he was supposed to. You know, even though he was only uh, thirty-two going on thirty-three, he had been he had been fighting since he was sixteen years old. He he had sixty-seven career fights up until that point in time. It was it was time for him to go. Time for him to go. He made his money, and I just hooked. I don't think the hugger was there anymore either. He accomplished everything he wanted to. And and a lot of people thought he won the fight, so he had a moral yeah, victory. Yeah, he didn't even have to 
have that rematch against Leonard because the public said he won. Right. And and it was just um, his, I guess it was for the judging when you're like you were talking about when you have certain fighters, they just get a few rounds in yeah, the bank. Yeah, like I mentioned, Durant Ali, Sugar Ray Lennox also. He came into that fight with two or three rounds in his pocket. <laughs> well, that's how it is. It's and Hagler how it never works. had that. that just, Hagler, one of the few legendary fighters who never went into a fight with two or three rounds in his pocket. He had to earn every round he won. And he had to overcome the two or three rounds of a lot of people he fought. And right, he did, right. Like Durant. Yeah. Like, like Leonard, yes. And uh, uh, recently, Oscar De La Hoya. He's another fighter who'd go into a fight with two or three rounds in his pocket. That's for sure. Uh, so, all right, man. We've covered this guy. I think, I think he's uh, been given a fitting tribute here. And may he rest in peace. And uh, yeah, he's you know an extraordinary figure in boxing, the, the the prototype as we called him. So we can leave it here, man. Thanks again. Uh, all I ask is you put this up tomorrow as soon as possible because people have been bugging me to do this. And I oh, even, I'm not even. I, I don't really, think I have to edit anything, so I'm. It was uh, just could, it's yeah, live. Uh, because uh, I I I I posted on Twitter our podcast of him seven and a half years ago, they were like, wow, what about his other fight? I said, okay, I will do his entire career with Logan. So next we week, are. for those that listen to Logan's movie reviews, next week, and this is on Showtime On Demand for everybody that's interested in seeing the movie before we do the review, uh, a very underrated Samuel L. Jackson movie. We haven't done a Samuel L. Jackson movie in a long time. Coach Carter starring... Samuel Jackson, and in a small role, but her lusciousness is all over this movie. The very sexy Ashanti. So uh, don't blink, because that ass is screaming. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, sure. Logan, you enjoy your week. Uh, either next Monday or Tuesday, we'll be reviewing Coach Carter, and um, we'll take it from there, big man. All right, man. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace. Peace, brother. Peace.